do it sooner rather than later. I, I think a lot of times I talk to people who say, you know, I'd like to invest in real estate someday. And there's always a reason that they put it off. And when they finally do it, almost every single one of them say, I wish I would have done this a lot sooner. Before we get into today's episode, are you a fix and flipper who needs some money? You need to maybe do more deals and you're limited by the funds you have available. Well then, Fund That Flip, today's best ever sponsor, has a solution for you. And you know Fund That Flip, right? Your loyal best ever listener, the founder, Matt Rodak, he's been on the show multiple times, and they have been a previous sponsor, and they love working with the best ever listeners, and they provide short-term fix and flip loans to experienced investors. They've got an online platform, makes the entire process super easy, and you can get funded in as few as seven days. So if you're looking for a reliable funding partner, go to fundthatflip.com and mention that, well, you heard about it on the Best Ever Show. Best Ever listeners, how are you doing? Welcome to the Best Real Estate Investing Advice Ever Show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff with us today. Jennifer Spencer, how are you doing, Jennifer? Doing great. How are you? I'm doing great as well. Nice to have you on the show. Nice to meet you and looking forward to diving in. A little bit about Jennifer. She is the owner and broker of Spencer Properties. She began her career in real estate as an investor buying and managing her own rental properties in 97. And after five years, she left her corporate job in commercial insurance and became full-time She is based in Raleigh, North Carolina. With that being said, Jennifer, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus? Yes. As you said, I got started in real estate as an investor myself, and my husband and I started buying rental properties and fixing them up and renting them out. And then where I grew up, my family home, my grandparents had inherited the farm. Uh, Interstate was going to be put through the family farm, and I said, you know, instead of paying capital gains tax on that entire inheritance, why don't you roll it over to a 1031 tax-free exchange and put it in investment properties? And they said, that's a great idea. And I said, I'll I'll help you with that, but in order to do that, I need to get licensed. So I got my real estate license at that point and helped them buy a few properties. I then started helping other friends or neighbors get into buying investment properties. And before I knew it, I had a real estate company and that was 20 years ago. So now I do all types of residential real estate resales and working with investors and kind of cover the full spectrum. But my love was and always has been working with investors and investment real estate. When you have a farm and they are now going to put an interstate through it, do you have any way of that not happening? Well, they thought it, and you can. There's a process you can go through to appeal that decision. Very rarely have I seen people succeed in stopping the process, but you can also negotiate. You know, they offer a formulaic value to the property, and it's usually pretty low, and you can go in and appeal that as well. And with that, we've seen more success. Okay. 1031, right out of the gate, you just received a real estate license, and you're already involved in a 1031 exchange. What was that like? It was actually a good process. I think a lot of it is having a good intermediary, having a good attorney. And very first round, we had great experiences. And from that, I learned a great deal about the process. 
how did you find your intermediary and your attorney? Both were referred to us from other investors who had been through the process and had a good experience. And then we did a little bit of our own due diligence, kind of checking into it. And my fear has been if your intermediary is holding those funds and then they were to shut down, bankrupt, yep. what have you, that's a little bit of a scary thought. So that's why we, we did a fair amount of vetting. Things went well. I've seen an episode of American Greed about that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Spencer Properties, you mentioned earlier you work with investors. What is a challenging part of working with investors? Well, I think there's always challenges in any particular market. Right now, the challenge for investors is the low inventory, and it's very difficult to buy homes below market value, which is what investors often want to do and get the kind of returns that they want to get when you're competing with first-time home buyers and competing with downsizing buyers for all the property in our market under about 400000 The mm-hmm. inventory is low, and you're paying above appraised value in many cases. So hypothetically, an investor reaches out to you, says, Jennifer, I'd love to buy some investment properties that I can put in my own portfolio. What do you tell them? I tell them that there's opportunities out there, but we're going to have to be creative in how we approach it. First of all, right now, if you pay market value for a property, as long as you're getting a good cash flow on it, I'm okay with that. And I think that that's one option to look at. But if you are looking to buy a property below market value, I think there are some opportunities out there, but they're fairly limited and it's going to take some creativity. For example, even in this low inventory market, we're seeing that buyers want move-in ready, cosmetically updated houses, and they just don't have a lot of tolerance. Even after they may have lost three or four houses in bidding wars, they still have a lot of tolerance for houses that aren't updated. So a great opportunity for an investor is to go buy a house with ugly carpet and dated appliances, dated finished work, needs paint, and has an overgrown yard, and put three or $4,000 into it to get it cleaned up and somewhat updated and rent it out, and those tend to cash flow real well. And we are getting a little bit of a opportunity on the purchase with those. There's still some short sales and some foreclosures out there. People want to mess with the long time frame of a short sale in particular, I think there's opportunities there. There's just not many of them. Also, another place it's good for investors to consider is our houses that are on challenging lots, houses that back up to a water tower or that have a sloped driveway or one of those types of lots that a lot of people are going to pass. They tend to rent really well. So you can generally get market rent, but you pay below market for the house because of the challenging lot. Now, we know going in that when you get ready to sell it, you're going to have to sell it below market. But if it cash flows during the years you hold it, that can be an opportunity. So I think there's opportunities out there, not only with cosmetic updates, houses that have kind of the scary stuff. We just had worked with an investor who got a great historical home, and it had some structural issues. Scared everybody else away. It needed five piers under the house. The house was built in the early 1900s. It needed five piers under the house, about $16,000 worth of work, but it scared everybody else off. We were able to get the house under contract below market. We were able to get the seller to pay for the structural repairs, had a structural engineer sign off on it, and now we've got a really good house because we were willing to really understand what the issues were and not be scared off because we heard structural. Mm. 
was there some education involved with your client or did he or she already know, hey, this is an opportunity? No, there was education. You know, when they heard structural issue, their first reaction was, oh, move on to the next one. <laughs> and we said, well, let's look into it a little more. It, that very well may be what we need to do, but let's look into this and investigate it a little more because I think there might be some opportunities here. They knew that there were structural issues before they made an offer on the house, so that helped. So we were able to really, I think, negotiate good terms on their behalf, and they made a good purchase. What would have been some red flags where you would have suggested moving on? Well, I think you just have to look at if the seller, for example, still wants market price for a house with those kinds of issues, I'd say let's move on. But this seller understood that they had a house that was going to be tough to sell as is, and they were willing to work with some price and getting the repairs done. How have you seen clients, or maybe yourself, just how you do it, calculate the cash flow when looking at investment properties? Well, we have a spreadsheet that we put together, and we look at what our mortgage payment will be. We look at what the taxes and homeowners association and insurance, and we project rent based on comparable rental properties. What I've done is I went back and looked at the properties that we have managed over the long term, and just as a rough, rough number, we use 5% for repairs and vacancies right Mm -hmm. now, and vacancies are very, very low. And if you look at the long-term air condition repairs, whatnot, we're averaging about 5% of the rental income in repairs and vacancy. So that's what we're using in that number. Depending on the investor, we sometimes, well, this is getting into return, not cash flow. I was going to say we, that's all right. we, sometimes we include appreciation, sometimes we don't when we're looking at return. Uh-huh. And some investors say, I want to make my decision entirely on cash flow. Others say, Let's look at appreciation and put a number in for that. And in this area, the long-term appreciation has been, whether you look at 20 years or you look at 30, that we come up with the same number. And also, if we look at it for the last 10 years, which I find very interesting, the number's the same. It's 4%. So that's what we use for appreciation for our market, or less. You know, mm-hmm. Some people want to use half or, or zero there. So you all also manage properties? We do. I have managed properties for the last 20 years. Last year, I partnered with a property management company who now manages all of our properties for us. So we're outsourcing that part Mm -hmm. at this point. And why would you ever not want to be on the management side? I don't understand. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know what? This may or may not surprise you. The tenants are fine. It was not the tenants. It was, in many cases, the landlords. I felt like a lot of times they were making decisions that were not in their own best interest and certainly not in the interest of the tenants, and I just got frustrated with that. Mm-hmm. What would be an example or two? Well, for example, I had one last year that the landlord was taking their time in making repairs. There had been a series of water leaks in this very nice high-end townhouse, and it made one of the bathrooms unusable. It made the kitchen unusable, and they delayed in hiring a contractor to do the work and then they decided to hire a different contractor and started the whole process all over again. So what should have been a few weeks of inconvenience for the tenants ended up being several months of inconvenience for the tenants. So the tenants said, you know, we feel like we shouldn't pay the full rent for those months that so much of the house was unusable. We have a small child and really was difficult. And the landlord said, 
I'm not going to refund any of your rent. So the tenants ended up suing the landlord. And Do you get caught in between with the legal aspect of that if the tenant's suing the landlord? Wouldn't they name you as... They the, did. Yeah, they did. They did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, and that's why you don't want to be involved. <laughs> yeah, that was kind of the final straw, that, that situation. I said, you know what, I'm, I'm done with this. It's all fun and games till someone gets sued. Yeah, and we had worked out reasonable resolution with the tenants. I thought the tenants were being very reasonable in what they expected, and the I struggle a little bit mm-hmm. um, when the landlords make things more difficult. It ended up costing the landlord a lot more money because they didn't try to get it resolved. Oh, yeah. Anytime an attorney gets involved, everyone's going to lose. That's exactly right. And just to clarify for my attorney friends, I mean for litigation purposes, not to review contracts and to advise on other aspects. The attorneys are the first ones to tell you that. I mean, Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Well, what is your best real estate investing advice ever? Hmm. Well, I think my best real estate investing advice ever is to do it sooner rather than later. I think a lot of times I talk to people who say, you know, I'd like to invest in real estate someday. And there's always a reason that they put it off and put it off. And when they finally do it, almost every single one of them say, I wish I would have done this a lot sooner. It's just that there's not really any other investment that compares to the benefits and the risk reward to real estate investing. And I think the earlier we get into it, the better. You ready for the best ever lightning round? (laughs) Yes, I am. All right, great. First a word from our best ever sponsors. You want to get better at negotiating real estate? Well, how about, do you want to get better at negotiating real estate for free? Even better, right? Well, go to fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever. Fund That Flip, today's sponsor, has partnered with best-selling author Jay Scott to provide you with a free chapter from Jay's new book on negotiating real estate. I've read the book, Lots of good real-world case studies sprinkled in there, too. I love it when they do that. Go to fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever to download your free copy of the chapter today. When it's Friday at 4.30 p.m., it's time for Entrepreneur Drinks Podcast, which is co-produced by Joint Ops Properties and Discount Property Investors. Join their end-of-the-work week session as they tackle problems facing entrepreneurs, Listen and subscribe at entrepreneurdrinks.com. That's entrepreneurdrinks.com. Okay, Jennifer, what's the best ever book you've read? Millionaire Real Estate Agent by Gary Keller. I love that book. That book inspired me to hire an administrative assistant. (laughs) Right, exactly. Best ever deal that you've done. I'm doing it right now. I'm developing a piece of land, rezoning it from residential to commercial. What is the intended use for the commercial once it's rezoned? It'll be a mixed use. It'll have high-end, single-level condos. It'll have a high-end grocery store, several restaurants with patio dining and little shops. It'll have some office and gym and that kind of thing upstairs. So it's going to have parks and walking trails. It'll be a really neat development. That sounds like a big old piece of land. It's 17 acres. What's your role in it? Did you buy this piece of land and now you're the one leading the charge to rezone it? I bought the piece of land. I've got it under contract with a developer and the developer's leading the charge and I'm certainly involved. 
Okay. And how do you structure when you buy a piece of land? Did you already know what your plan was going to be and who the developer you're going to partner with would be? No, I bought the land just knowing it was a great location to potentially rezone into commercial but I did not have the developer identified. I've met with several and heard different ideas and plans and proposals and then chose the one that made the most sense. How do you structure an arrangement with a developer if you own land? The way we structured it is the sale is contingent upon the rezoning and he is responsible for all expenses and all communication and managing the process of going through the rezoning. In the meantime, he's knowing that this could take a few years, and it has. We're two years into the process now. He's just been paying us a monthly non-refundable fee for having the contract in place. And if the land gets rezoned and we close on it, that fee will be applied to the purchase price. If it doesn't, then it's non-refundable. That takes the urgency off of him and us in terms of either one of us feeling like we need to move faster than we should. I like that. That's a really good structure for both of you. Assuming that the rezoning takes place, does that mean he's buying it outright? Or are you going to maintain a partnership? He's buying it outright because I do want to do a 1031. And Mm. if I maintain the partnership, I wouldn't be able to do that. Right, right. Interesting stuff. That's exciting. And you found a way to speculate while still receiving monthly cash flow somehow. I thought that, I didn't think that was possible. Right. Yeah, it's actually worked out to be a good arrangement for everybody. Mm-hmm. You said you bought it knowing it was a great location. What were some specific things that you had identified? And I ask this more to call out things for best ever listeners who are in their markets and they would look for the similar things. Well, it's on one of the primary arteries coming from downtown into the suburbs, and it's in the most affluent zip code in the state of North Carolina. It's surrounded by high-density housing. There's very, very little commercial in this area, so high need for the commercial and a lot of demand and very low supply. What's a mistake you've made on a transaction? Oh, my gosh, there's so many. How will I even know where to start? (laughs) I'd say looking at patterns, probably some of the biggest mistakes we've made is missing things that we should have known, should have seen, and failed to disclose. I guess those are the ones that upset me the most. For (laughs) example? Well, we had one just recently that there was an underground storage tank, and we didn't disclose that, and we knew it. We just missed checking a box. We had one last year where the previous sellers had said the HVAC was four years old it was actually eight years old and should we have known should we have relied on the previous disclosures or not you know that's questionable but things like that those are the things that really make me lose sleep at night best ever way you like to give back well i am very involved with the raleigh rescue mission so my family my children i've got four teenagers and an exchange student So we go down and cook at the homeless shelter, prepare meals and buy the groceries. And we also do fundraisers to make contributions to the rescue mission. And that's just a place where I'm in the business of homes and to think about people who, because of life circumstances, don't have one. That kind of tugs at my heart. How can the best ever listeners get in touch with you or your company? 
They can call me at 919-602-7411 or they can email me, jennifer at spencerprops.com. Jennifer, thank you for being on the show. Thanks for talking about your experience with both management and how you're contracting it out, but then also opportunities for how to be creative in a hot market to still find deals. And you talked about houses with challenging lots. There are still some short sales and foreclosures, but then also knowing what does the majority of buyers want. They want move-in ready homes. So you buy an ugly house, ugly carpet, dated work, or dated kitchen, whatever, and then make some improvements, and then you can get an opportunity that cash flows. And also, holy cow, this speculative purchase that you made, and you've turned it into a monthly cash flow opportunity with the developer partnership. And the monthly distributions that you're receiving or payments will then be credited towards him at closing should he actually get it rezoned and close. And if he doesn't, then, well, you just keep the non-refundable monthly fees that you're charging. So thanks for sharing these deals. Really interesting stuff. I hope you have a best ever day and we'll talk to you soon. Well, thank you. I enjoyed it. I appreciate the opportunity to be on the show. When it's Friday at 4.30 p.m., it's time for Entrepreneur Drinks Podcast, which is co-produced by Joint Ops Properties and Discount Property Investors. Join their end-of-the-work-week session as they tackle problems facing entrepreneurs. Listen and subscribe at entrepreneurdrinks.com. That's entrepreneurdrinks.com.